What's up, everybody? My name is Sid, and I've teamed up with the big homie Reg to bring y'all something new, something we like to call Beyond the Scoreboard. Y'all be sure to review, rate, and subscribe. Let's get to it. Welcome back to Beyond the Scoreboard. As always, I'm Sid. What's up, Reg? How you doing, man? Sid, I'm doing great. It's glad to be back, man. How about yourself? You doing good? I'm good, man. I'm good. Today, we are joined by Sean. It's been a while. How you been, man? I'm making it, bro. I'm actually, um, no, I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> All right. So, before we dive into the playoff action from this past weekend, and then we're going to talk some Lions offseason football with Sean, I uh, just want to bring up the fact that it's been a year. Since we lost Kobe Bryant and those other, uh, what it was, eight individuals in that helicopter crash last year, um, that year went by fast, man. That's real fast. That's that's something that seemed like it was it was really just yesterday, to be honest. Uh, and that's something that a lot of people see, still seem to take hard, even you know to this day. So I just wanted to to bring that up and have that on everybody's mind that it's been a year. Um, of course, prayers to the family, to Vanessa. You see her every now and then doing this and that, you know, trying to make it. That's that's something hard to deal with, not just losing your husband, but losing, you know, your your daughter as well. So I just wanted to to touch on that uh, before we dove into football and and everything like that. Anything y'all wanted to say about that? Um, for me, Kobe Bryant. I grew up, uh, you know, watching Kobe a lot. I wasn't a fan of Kobe. I didn't, you know, root for him necessarily. I mean, he, he took out my paces in the finals. So, um, but Kobe was a he was a, a unbelievable basketball player, and uh, the impact he left off the court was just as big as the one that he left on the court. So, like you said, we lost a great one, man. Yeah, for me, I said the same thing last year when we talked about it on the show. Um, Kobe, it was it was definitely tragic to lose Kobe, but I couldn't imagine uh, having to bury your own kid like that. Yeah, I don't know how she's getting through every day, but um, like you said, prayers to that family, and and it's just a sad situation. Absolutely, absolutely. So, to less depressing things, let's move on to the conference championships that took place. Uh, on Sunday, with the first game being um, the Tampa Bay Bucks against the Green Bay Packers, and Tampa Bay coming out victorious uh, in that matchup, thirty-one to twenty-six. Uh, Reg, how did you see that one, man? I really didn't give Tampa Bay a a, a huge uh, chance of winning that ball game. I really thought Evan Rogers play, playing un, I mean unbelievable football uh, leading up to this game. I thought he was going to pick Tampa apart. Uh, and I knew Green Bay had some offensive line issues coming into this game. Obviously, that played a role. But I just thought that Evan was so short weeks prior to, to this game that it would matter, but he would find a way to outdo Brady. He would find a way to be the better quarterback on the field for the majority of the game, and that would be the difference maker. I also had them been able to run the ball a little bit more uh, against um, Tampa Bay, and that, and that wasn't the case as well. Uh, so, Aaron May plays, I mean, especially if you just look at his numbers. If you're a numbers guy, it, uh, it, you, you might find it hard 
to blame this game on Evan Rodgers. Uh, he played for, he played pretty good. Uh, his defense didn't didn't get off the field when they really needed to. But the only issue I really had with this game, and I felt like it was the difference before halftime. More than likely, Tampa was going to give up three. Uh, I'll get three more points. But Green Bay found a way to give them seven, and that was huge. And I didn't like the fact that Evan Rodgers received the ball twice in the fourth quarter. After just scoring, I think, two or three times straight, he received the ball twice, trailing by five. And um, he wasn't able to score a touchdown to get the lead for his team. It was 23-28, if I'm not mistaken. He got the ball twice, and uh, he wasn't able to produce. And to me, that was really the, the difference in his game. I think if it was flipped the other way around, and that was Tom Brady on, on that end down 23-8, and he was given two, two chances to – uh, give his team the lead. I think he, him being a goat, I think he would have found a way to do it. And that was the two biggest, biggest things that I took away from this game. What about you, Sean? I know you went in with Tampa Bay winning this game. Uh, so how did you see that one when you look back on it? You asked me a couple of weeks ago, uh, was I still sticking with my same Super Bowl? And I wasn't, I wasn't positive on the NFC side because I, I didn't know exactly how Tampa's path was going to play out. But you remember I said that I, I felt like they had the opportunity to make a little run. And to me, it was because of all the things that happened in the offseason, when they got people like Fournette um, and then uh, they added Antonio Brown, to me it was a situation where you see that Antonio Brown didn't play and Ronald Jones wasn't healthy, but they had so many other weapons that they could use in this game. And then um, – Green Bay leaned so heavy on their play action, but I knew that they wasn't going to be able to run on Tampa, um, especially with them getting Vita Vea back. So I just I, I, I was thinking with them just because this time of year, bro, y'all know who Brady is. And and he didn't play great, but he he made the plays when they needed to be made. Um, and Green Bay's offense was very stagnant the whole game. Like, you know, once they couldn't really get anything going with Aaron Jones, um, and like you said, the the play before the half was crucial. Uh, the drop two-point conversion was crucial. Um, the fumble was crucial. Like, and, and then everybody talked about Tom Brady's turnovers, but I, I told you that I feel like not enough people are talking about the fact that two of them were essentially punts. Like, you know what I mean? Like, he, he, he threw them, like, the one to Evans that he threw up in the air, That they were going to punt anyway. So, it, it, yeah. it, it wasn't like Green Bay got the ball in great field position. I don't know. I just thought I just thought Green Tampa Bay had a better game plan. They came in with Ty Bowles as their defensive coordinator, which is another reason why I had them going all the way. That The coaching staff, everything about them felt like, you know what, once they get it figured out, this is probably the best team in the NFC. And for me, it was never about offense. Uh, going into the game, when I was looking at the matchup, I was like, look, we know what Tampa Bay got on offense. We know what Green Bay has on offense. What are the defense going to be able to do? And with Tampa Bay having, what, the number one, number two rushing defense in the league, mm -hmm. um, you're like, okay, that's fine. Because Aaron Rodgers and his passing game, as long as his – Receivers outside of Devontae Adams are showing up. They're going to be fine. Mm -hmm. um, Tampa Bay, throughout the, throughout the year, never showed a consistency of their peak at defense, but they did have their moments. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And yesterday was probably the best their defense had played all season long. Um, the way that they were able to pressure Aaron Rodgers, which we expected because left tackle was out for the season. They had yeah. another guard that couldn't even suit up yesterday for them. Um, and then, like you say, getting Vita Villa back and having Adama Kasu and uh, Shaquille Barrett played out of his mind Sunday when I hadn't seen anything from him all season after yeah. the remarkable season he had last year. Um, the fact that they were able to get that pressure and have their secondary be able to hold up against Devontae Adams. And I know Valdez Scantling probably ended up number-wise with a pretty good game. He found some openness, but the rest of those guys were really held to nothing. You got Mercedes Lewis at 74 out here catching passes uh, because he ain't got nowhere else to go with the football. Um, so to me, when I look at it, to me, I don't – Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they both had their chances to make the game what it was going to be. But the thing that honestly shifted everything was the play of Tampa Bay defense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they couldn't do anything with Shaq Barrett. Yeah, exactly. They couldn't do anything with him. And then when they did, somebody – and Donald Kasu was getting through and getting a, um, a tip – getting a finger on the ball while it's, you know, going where it's going or whatever. Um, but outside of the defensive play, I feel like Green Bay died – um, before halftime, not when they gave up the touchdown to Scotty Miller, but when Aaron Rodgers targeted Devontae Adams three times in the end zone and he came down with none of them. I feel like the first target should have been a catch. That was on Devontae. He just didn't catch it. Um, and then after, and then the two after that were pretty forced. Uh, but that. Of course, the Scotty Miller touchdown after that really put a put put a dent in them. But the fact that they had to settle for three before that took going into halftime that made it an eleven point game instead of what could have been a four point game. Can I ask a question? Real Go ahead. About the what did y'all think about Matt Lafleur kicking the field goal down eight? We're gonna talk about you raising your hand later. Um, <laughs> <laughs> You go for a touchdown. In my opinion, you go for the touchdown because, for one, you're not guaranteed to get – well, you're talking about the end, towards the end of the game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Because, for one, you're not guaranteed to get the ball back. Mm-hmm. Um, and for two, if you – because he kicked the field goal and made it a five-point game, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I. you still got to go get a touchdown. It. I thought it was incredibly stupid just because – even if you don't get it going for it on fourth and goal, you still got the two-minute warning. You know, you have the four the four stop clock stoppages, mm-hmm. but and you look st- at where they starting at. Look at where you forced them to start at. Yeah. Right. And so so then even if you force a punt, you you still gotta drive to score a touchdown. Like I and yeah. then oh well, I I don't know if they would have got the two-point conversion, but you 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 still need a touchdown. Exactly. So I understand why you're gonna kick a field goal. <laughs> It was dumb. I thought it was. Dumb. I thought. It was and their dumb. defense, and their defense, for the most part of that game, hadn't been holding up. They had a couple, a cover series in the second half where they were able to. I want to say if they didn't force an interception, they didn't. They didn't stop anything. Like the interceptions they forced were the only times that they stopped anything. So thinking that your defense would go go out there and turn them over again, no, bro. Just yeah. go ahead and you know take your chances. Yep. <clears throat> But uh, so that's it for that game. That's all we got on that one. Tom Brady just being goatish. 
I, I will say this too, something that I'm starting to notice a, a trend of. Uh, Tampa Bay receivers, man, they drop a lot of balls. Uh, Tom Brady played excellent to me in the first half, but, you know, a, a couple balls was dropped. I really think if Leonard Fournette hold on to his balls, Godwin, he dropped two in the first half, and I think Mike Evans had one. Man, we don't know how many points Tampa would have put up in the first half if uh, if they can have those drops back. And Kevin King, bro, he should be cut already. <laughs> I, I don't know how he survived. At halftime? Uh, what's today, Tuesday? He didn't survive two days longer than I thought he would. Uh, that yeah, I've I haven't seen the performance that bad from a single cornerback in a while. Like to where they just literally just picking on you, and you're a starting cornerback in this league. That was uh, that was weird. I right, so the second game of Sunday was Bills Chiefs. Chiefs ended up pulling that one out, thirty eight to twenty four. Um, I'm the only one here that even took the took Buffalo, uh, in that game. So uh, what you thought about that one, Rich? That game went, and I hate to keep hate to say that, but it went just as expected. Um, this was one that I said, you know, in the first half, I think that it would be a little close, but I think the third quarter, KC's going to show their dominance and they're going to take off. That's exactly how that game went. Uh, Buffalo, like every other team, you take that slow plan approach. And I, if you think of Buffalo's uh, offense, they've been at their best when it's been high tempo, when he's been Allen rushes to the line, he takes the plays from the side and, and all that good stuff. But playing against KC, that's out the window because you don't ever want to leave too much time for their offense. So I knew they would have to slow things down. And how do you slow the game down if you have no rushing game if you Buffalo? So it just was going to be too much for Josh Allen, um, you know, to do. Too much to put on his back, although he had a great season. But uh, he he played he played pretty good. He kept his head up. He uh, used his legs to to escape, make throws, and all that good stuff. But he got nothing from his defense. Um, if that defense could have made some stands doing out you know certain times of that game, I think it could have got interesting. But just because they it was like they wasn't even on the field. I mean, Travis Kelsey going crazy. Tyreek Hill, I got Hardman on reverses. Pat Mahomes seemed like he had at least three weeks to throw the football anytime he needed it, you know. It was just too much to overcome. But um, I, I definitely would have to say the thing that hurt Buffalo to me, as we just mentioned in the past game, it, it came down to a situation where Buffalo was on a one, I believe, or the two. And um, they decided to go for three. They, they took the three and didn't go for the touchdown. And I did not like that decision because, you know, you're going to have time trailing by nine, I think it was at the time. Your defense is played like trash and Casey get the ball to start the game. I just to me, I just didn't like that. I think if you get a touchdown there, uh, it will still be a one possession game. And, uh, you know, you can try to get a stop and turn turn this into a ball game. But I mean, it was over from that point. They got three. And I was like, yeah, that that three me means absolutely nothing when you play against Kansas City. And that's one to me that we just going to disagree on that one, just because I feel like that early in the game is still I'd rather have points than no points. Because if they don't get the touchdown, then what? On you the know? one? If, you don't, if you don't Kansas get the touchdown, then what? <laughs> like, if it was guaranteed that they was going to score, they would have scored in the first three plays, you know? So if you don't, if you get out of there with nothing versus three, three, three points keeps it a two-possession game, which is essentially what it did. It kept it a two-possession game. You get no points, they come out and score, then what? You know? And they, and they, <laughs> to me, and I ain't gonna try to, I ain't try to stay on this long, but I, I just really believe in order to be KC, 
you, it's going to take some guts. It's going to take for you to not settle for field goals to to beat them. Uh, we've seen this team come back last year down 24 nothing. Uh, down, uh, they were trailing 14 points the next game. Even the Super Bowl, uh, five minutes left in the third quarter, they found themselves down 10 and still won that ball game. All the rest of the ball games I mentioned, they came back and won those games by double digits. So this is not a team, like even when it was 9 nothing. I don't think nobody panicked because we knew what, what KC is capable of. And yeah. that's just one of those things. I mean, it's cool to get three of you playing against another team in that situation, but uh, having this big quarterback – uh, being physical and all this good stuff, the season he's had, I just, I just feel like they should have went, they should have went for the touchdown. So Buffalo, you know, I don't have a whole lot of respect for Buffalo, um, and I, I didn't, I knew they hadn't been able to run the ball all year. The defense not being as good as they were last year, um, I was pretty confident that Kansas City was going to roll in this game, but. Uh, this to me is far more about Kansas City than it is about Buffalo because I don't know. I've been saying since last summer, I really don't know how you beat them when they already have the talent advantage and they have the schematic advantage. Like I don't I don't really know how you're supposed to beat them. Like so yeah. it's just when you got Mahomes doing what he do and and Tyreek Hill just running all over the place, the defense is good enough. Um, I really, I really don't even know what you're supposed to do, bro. Like, <laughs> oh, this all feels like. And again, we'll see when the Super Bowl comes when the game has to be played because football ain't like basketball. Like, if it was, mm-hmm. if it was a seven game series, then then I would say Chiefs ninety nine percent. But yeah. because it's a one game sample size and you got Tom Brady on the other side, maybe you know, and and their tackles being hurt matters. So we'll see, but mm-hmm. I, just, I don't know, bro. Kansas City just they they feel like a different type of dynasty than than we've experienced. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that's true. And for me, there's three things from this game. One is damn, I forgot what one was. All right, so two. <laughs> that man said so two. <laughs> a second. So they when they played earlier in the season, Kansas City ended up winning that game twenty six to seventeen. Mm-hmm. Buffalo completely, I'm not going to say completely, but Buffalo held Mahomes to 20 of 26 for like 200 yards and two touchdowns in that game. They said beat us on the ground. And Kansas City basically was able to do that. They ended up, uh, I think uh, Elvis Hale ended up with 160 yards that game. He almost I thought had Buffalo's defense was going to be able to replicate that as in we're not going to allow Travis Kelsey, Tyreek Hill to be the people that beat us. If you're going to beat us, you're going to do it on the ground. Mm-hmm. And, of course, I can see them losing that way. But, oh, yeah, I remember my first point. But my first point was these past six, seven weeks, Kansas City was just skating by. And that's not something that I felt comfortable with betting on at this point, which is why I took Buffalo. Um, we, If I would have saw the game that I saw out of Kansas City two or three weeks ago, I would have been taking Kansas City in that game. But because we went two months without seeing that from them, I had I couldn't bet on that. If um, I jump in for a second, remember they I felt like about them the same way I felt about the Lakers. When we talked about the Lakers when they got to the bubble. Mm-hmm. After the Lakers beat the Clippers, I feel like they put it on cruise control because they don't have to. They didn't have to. You know, Kansas City getting the number one seed would have mattered to them. 
But if they were the two seed and had to go to somebody, do you think do you think it would have mattered really? Like I, I you know, once they once they started having to play like they played yesterday, then you know, then they did. The only thing is, like we talked about, football is is so finite. When Mahomes got hurt last week, they yeah. were in real trouble. Like yeah. you know, because because but you can't predict that. Like you can say that about everybody. Like game uh, play two of the Super Bowl. If Brady get hurt, then it's a different game. Exactly. You know what I mean? So it. But I feel like when they had to play like their best football, we saw it yesterday. And I don't know how you beating them when they play like that. And just to and touch then, on it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Sid. Oh, I was just about to say. And then my other things was one. Tyreek Hill is the ultimate X factor. With <laughs> or without the football. Like, because you send him in motion and your whole defense got to pay attention to what he's going to do. Yeah. And when you have other weapons like a Travis Kelsey, you know, on the other side of the field or coming up underneath that, what you going to do? Yeah. And then it seemed like Buffalo, I don't know. It seemed like they were confused on how they wanted to play him, even though it's hard in general. Because if you play him close, he's going to blow past you. And mm-hmm. if you play off of him, he's going to come underneath you and beat you in a foot race. Yep. So it was kind of shocking to me, even though I know how great Tyreek Hill is, that Tredavious White had so much trouble with him regardless of how he decided to play him. Mm-hmm. And that was all the difference in the world was the fact that we can't do nothing with Tyreek Hill, so y'all going to be able to do whatever y'all want to do. And I think the reason why they had so much time to to figure uh, Buffalo approach out, the defense uh, approach out, was because they got no pressure. A lot of times you would see 49 Edmonds in the middle of the field. He'll take the first crossing route, run him off, then look underneath, take somebody else. And he still had, still had Travis Kelsey going over his head, curling for 10 yards. If you don't apply pressure to Patrick Mahomes, it's almost impossible to, to even uh, make it a game. You have to throw him off his his rhythm. You got you force him to throw the ball just a second faster than what he truly wants to throw it. But long as he has time to see the field, scan, and say, okay, I got my check down right there. Let me move the defense with my eyes and still hit that check down. It's impossible to beat him. It's impossible. And, and you know, we sit here and we say, uh, you know, uh, they've been off the last couple of weeks. I don't think it's the fact that they've been off the last couple of weeks. Like I say in the, the, the past shows, I just feel like we have already reached that expectation for KC and Patrick Mahomes, although he's so young, that uh, when they have a close game or they only win by seven, but Vegas predicted them to win by 12, we're like, oh, yeah, KC, not who they who they used to be or, you know, people are trying uh, are starting to find them out. But I just think that's football. Like Sean said, they don't have to be great every week. Obviously, if we up 14, we don't mind, you know, giving up three with two minutes left in this ball game. So when you look at things like numbers, their production is down or teams may be uh, closing the, the score. But uh, ultimately, whenever they have to make a play, KC makes plays. And that's offensively and defensively. And like I said, bro, I, I've never seen anything like them, seriously. Because, like, you know how I talked about before, every team has a guy on their team where it's like, man, that dude is so fast. 
Kansas City got five of them. They like, you know what I mean? Like it, they got more than anything I've ever seen. And and the way that they use their people with all of these um the the motion that you talk about with Tyreek Hill, how how that ends up helping their running game. They run in shovel passes to Tyreek to Travis Kelsey. Yeah, like they got, under well, him. whoever under they want to do. They they do, <laughs> they do whatever they like when you make them punt, it's a miracle. Like it's yeah. it's, it's crazy. I have never seen anything like them before, bro. We live in a crazy time with this team, bro. All that speed and your quarterback can throw the ball a mile. I told Sid, (laughs) I told Sid, Pat Mahomes seemed to throw the ball better on the run than some starting quarterbacks do standing still. And what's really what's really crazy is during the broadcast they were talking about how one of the ways that you you want to try to play them is to get up in their face and you know and jam their wide receivers. But Mahomes dropped back so far because he can throw it so far yeah. that ain't doing nothing. You ain't doing nothing. <laughs> and I, I was gonna say that earlier when you said that about the only chance that you got is to you know get Mahomes make him uncomfortable back there. But man, he's just as good moving around as he is standing still. Um, and the other thing, man, I'm still not, I'm still not big on their defense at all. Uh, but once again, to this point for the past three years, it don't matter what they do on defense if you can't score with them. Mm-hmm. So like that, that's all. It don't matter what you, what they got going on on defense. If you're not going to be going touchdown for touchdown with them. So yeah. it don't yeah. really matter. I don't think they have a shutdown defense. I just think they have, they have good players where you need good players. They got uh, Matthews and Chris Jones, and that's really all they need. That's you know they can get a little pass rush, and Matthews. I was about to say we a ball hawk. So, I was about to say we're gonna see Sunday. I mean Super Bowl Sunday if that's all they yeah. need. Because now it now you're in a position where, like you say, you're going up against the goat who right. has Gronkowski, Chris Godwin, Mike Evans. Who you gonna try to take out, and then how you gonna approach the rest of them? You know. Yeah. I, I don't mean that. I know we, we got to move on, but like that's the only thing that's giving me some reason to pause. Because yeah. I had Kansas City over the Bucks, you know, in the preseason, uh-huh. but this the second time Brady facing them. This Brady in the Super Bowl, and are they going to be able to block the ends with their tackles being hurt? I don't know. Like I, it's one game. You know what I mean? Like it, it, that well, mean that's it. Be better than Kansas City. It's just sixty minutes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can they be better for 60 minutes? And we're mm-hmm. gonna see. I, I don't know. I think I'm gonna still stick with Kansas City, but I'm about to say you ready to make your pick? You, you rolling with Kansas City? I'm I'm not ready yet. I'm not ready yet. But yeah. but I, if I had to today, I'm gonna stay with Kansas City. Okay. All right. So um let's look ahead to the offseason. Um You've been doing that since week three of the last of regular season. Oh. <laughs> week three. <laughs> did, I, did I not tell the audience? It was like, week three. It was week two. No, maybe it was week two when you made that comment. It, it was the very first game. It was halftime of the very first game. I said, man, this team is awful. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. But then, like a week later, you were like, "Yeah, we done. Like, I'm ready for the offseason." Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. That that was yeah. week two. That Not I week three. <laughs> so let's look at the Detroit Lions um, and what they've done just this far. Which you know, at this point, it's all coaching, staffing, um, and deciding that you're parting ways with your Hall of Fame quarterback. Um, things like that that's going on to this point. Um, and in my mind, 
to this point, I've, I've, I mean, I've told y'all this already. I feel like y'all have crushed it to this point. To this point of rebuilding your front office and rebuilding a coaching staff, I feel like that y'all have crushed it uh, 100%. So what is it from your point of view? Me? Yeah. Um, All right, man. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I told you I was happy that they got uh, with the Brad home tie. I wanted Lewis Riddick, but obviously that didn't go well because we hadn't heard anything about him for any GM position um, since then. But um, Brad Holmes, I, you know, I'm always for people getting promotions. I'm always for minorities getting opportunities. Um, so I'm happy with the Brad Holmes hire. Uh, the coaching staff, I did not like. I'm not going to lie. I did not like them hiring Dan Campbell. I thought that there were better candidates. I did not like his press conference at all. But again, that, that, huh? Oh, no, go ahead. Go ahead. Yeah, but, but again, I'm going to give him a chance because, you know, we talked about him. He's never been a coordinator on any level, never been, uh, just been an interim head coach, but people seem to like him. And I think that a lot of their, a lot of their hires have been so much of fixing the culture because, uh, what is his name? Matt Patricia. Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn completely tore that down. So that I think they're trying to build that back up. And again, I, you know, I wasn't as much worried about if he was going to be the right coach as long as he got a good staff around him. And I feel like they've done a good job with that. Um, I like them getting uh, Anthony Lynn as the offensive coordinator. Uh, Glenn from the Saints is a, uh, is something we'll have to see about. But again, it's, it's somebody giving an opportunity from another successful organization. And again, Dan Campbell doesn't feel like a head coach because he was a tight ends coach. But he was also an assistant coach to yeah, a, the, the, the assistant head, coach, head yeah. coach. Yeah, to a team that's, you know, been successful for the last 10 years. So I'm going to give it a chance. I like what they've done uh, with Dorsey, bringing in Dorsey. The, uh, I can't remember the guy, the other guy's name from the uh, Rams that they brought in to be the assistant GM. But Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm, very, I'm very satisfied with what they've done to this point. And the Stafford thing. Can I? Am I moving on? Yeah. Oh, you good? Um, I told you in the in the middle of the season that I was ready for him to go. Not because I don't think he can still play, because I think he's amazing. I I love him as our quarterback, but it doesn't make sense to be paying him twenty million dollars over the next two years when you're trying to figure out th- how you want this regime to look for the next two years. The only chance that he had at staying was if Daryl Bevel stayed on the staff, and I knew that that wasn't going to happen. So. I think it's time for both parties to, to – I think it would be good for them both to separate from each other. The Lions get to completely start over. He gets to go somewhere, still make the money, and play at that level. But, again, for him, like I've been saying his whole career, things have to be around him better for him to be – he's not somebody like Aaron Rodgers. He's not going to be able to carry you to mm. the Super Bowl. But if he's your quarterback, you ain't worried about that. You ain't, yeah. you know, you ain't got to worry about that because there are throws that he can make that only five people in the league can make. Yeah. But again, he needs help. He's yeah. not somebody that can do it by himself. So I think it'll work for both. This is a an amicable breakup. However you say that. <laughs> it's very interesting that you have this view um, because for one, me being a Saints fan on the outside looking in, 
I'm like, I'm not sold on it. Uh, I know a lot of people, and, and like I always tell you, you're the only true Lions fan I know. Uh, however, uh, being a part of a lot of uh, football groups, social media-wise, uh, a lot of people have already brought into it, into this new front office, these coaches. And the first thing that I say is, what the hell is Dan Campbell good at? Like, what has he succeeded in thus far in his career that <clears throat> makes you say, oh, yeah, we got our guy? I mean, he's five and seven as a head coach. Uh, he has no true, like like you said, no true experience as a, as an OC uh, uh, for that point. Uh, the only thing you can kind of say is that he's been a part of a, a organization that's been known for winning these past couple of years. Same thing for Aaron Glenn. Uh, phenomenal football player in his day, but as a coach in the NFL, what is he good at? I mean, he spe specializes in DBs. You can't say he hit home runs. Uh, with his tension in New Orleans, you, I, I just feel like you can't say that. So you telling me that I got a head coach who um, who was five and seven. Uh, he had we we really don't know what he's good at. He's not a QB whisperer or anything like that. Then I have a defensive coordinator who's a, a DB coach um, who you know who's not known for turning uh, water into wine on with, with defensive backs. So I'm not sold, and and everything that I've been seeing from from folks on social media. Who um who are Lion fans, man? They they ready to they ready to buy into Dan Campbell and then like the deal he got. What was it? Five or six years or something like that? Yeah. Six years. Six years. Yeah, that's a. That either. Is that again? Oh, what you had said, Sean? No, I just was saying that I didn't like that either. Oh yeah yeah. Oh okay okay. And, and lastly, uh, the possibility of the departure of Matthew Stafford. It's so it's it's crazy that you see Matthew Stafford like that because a lot of times I talk to people about quarterbacks such as Matthew Stafford, such as Matt Ryan. Um, the perfect example for me was um, was um, Tony Romo when he played with Dallas. I think they all are uh, second tier level quarterbacks, mm -hmm. guys that like you say, if this is our quarterback, we're not worried come Sunday. We we feel comfortable with what we got. However, that's not the guys who you want to put the game on their backs and say, okay, you're down to receiver, you're down to tackle, go win this game for me. Yeah. I really feel if Matthew Stafford go to San Francisco, see, you already know, any quarterback that got two arms and two legs, I feel like can succeed in San Francisco. If Matthew Stafford goes there, watch out NFL. I really feel that way about him. But uh, it, it, you got a new head coach who, who who's five and seven, like I said, uh, D.D., who uh, never been a DC before, and we may not have Matthew Stafford. I'm just not sure about uh, this upcoming season for Detroit. So my first thing about the first comment you made about Mac, uh, Dan Campbell, and Aaron Glenn, and guys like that not being proven, my only rebuttal to that is if you go by that logic you never get anybody new into any position. We just steadily recycling Marvin Lewis's and Jim Caldwell's and stuff like that and hoping that one day they figure it out, even though they haven't. So eventually you have to start taking chances on people like that who aren't actually proven in what it is you're looking for, but are coming from a, a winning culture. And that's one of the biggest things for me about Detroit is every everywhere that they pulled from was from a winning culture. Um, and the one and the one position that I'm still real big on that wasn't is them hiring Duke Staley as the assistant head coach. Um, no, that's not a winning culture right now, but 
he's been there for a very long time and he's somebody that was so respected in the Philadelphia locker room that they wanted him as their head coach. And that's his reason for parting ways with them. Um, the Dan Campbell thing, you can look at that five and seven record and like I, I throw that out, that's an interim head coach. Like he wasn't even given that team, you know, to actually go out there and prove anything with. Um, I told Sean this the other day. Because once again, when we started the Dan Campbell thing was looking to happen, we were like, well, let's see what he's able to put around him. Mm-hmm. I told Sean yesterday that I feel like Dan Campbell was, he's culture. He's a hype man. Dan Campbell is a hype man. Yeah. Um, and, and the GM, the GM is somebody who's, he's he, he just new. He's different. He's something that we, like you say, we don't know what he's going to be because we haven't seen it yet, but he's a fresh face. More important to me is Anthony Lynn being the offensive coordinator and you getting the guy from the Rams to be the assistant GM, somebody who's already had those type of responsibilities and is proven in what it is that he's done already. Um, the Anthony, the Anthony, um, I mean, not Anthony, the Aaron Glenn situation, to me, that's just like the Chris Richard, uh, Chris Richard situation. It had come to, like, you, you're only going to do this for so long and until somebody's saying, well, now, now it's time to see if he can really be a defensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Now it's time to see what he can really, uh, what he can really do. And once again, like, man, like I say, the, I love the, Every position that they feel, they've done it with, like I said, somebody from a winning culture, and that matters. Like, that, that's something that really matters. Um, and then everybody under that, you got your, you got your football mind with uh, uh, Anthony Lynn. Like, that's somebody who, who's been a head coach who, depending on how you want to look at it, <laughs> did a good job. And what he was given with, you know, uh, in his head coach, in his head coaching tenor. So mm-hmm. I like everything that's been put there around that. Um, even if you're looking at Dan Campbell and saying, "Look, I'm not too sure about him," I love everything else that's been put around them. And I feel like, once again, like Sean said, the first step is changing that culture, building that culture back up. This is the first step at doing that. Now, let's see these football minds that you actually brought in outside of a Dan Campbell uh, or the fresh GM, uh, even if you're riding the backs of Anthony Lynn and the assistant GM. Now, let's see what our football minds can do for a football team that, from top to bottom, isn't a bad football team. It's just there are some glaring needs. And once again, it's a uh, man. A lot of those guys towards the end of it just seemed like they didn't care for Matt Patricia. So how much they gonna give for Matt Patricia in a situation where we know we losing? You know. So I think they have the talent. The scheme was horrible. I think I think this could be a decent. I don't think this will be long to turn over with the right moves, player wise. Um, I can see in two seasons we're talking about. A nine and seven, ten and six Detroit Lions team, depending on what they can do, what they can get from Matthew Stafford, uh, for one, that's the biggest thing at this point, and then what they can put around. Because every man, me and Sean talked about it yesterday, most of the roster is young. Most of the important positions are young. If you bring back Galladay, you got DeAndre Swift, you got Hawkinson, you got Jeff Okuda, 
Like you got guys who have great potential and promise. It's just who's going to be able to get all of that out of them. So one thing I wanted to say about Dan Campbell, if you were saying if you got these football minds outside of your Sean McVay's, your Sean Payton's, the the head coach's job is to coach the coaches. You know what I mean? So if he can get out of the way of letting Anthony Lynn do what he do with the offense, letting the D coordinator do what he do with the defense, if he's the motivator, decision maker, and ultimately just the leader, having a good staff around him is what's the most important. And I feel like they've done a good job at that so far. You know what I compare it to? Steve Nash in Brooklyn. I told yeah. you I didn't like the Steve Nash hire, but once you throw Mike D'Antoni on side of him, and then you're able to keep uh, what's the guy um, Vaughn, the guy who coached him last year. Mm-hmm. Once you're able to keep those guys around him, then that makes that hire. Like I, I can care less of who it was now if you're telling me that that's what's gonna fill out the staff. Yeah, and see, so you spoke about uh, all these coaches coming from coming from a, a winning organization of such. To me, that really it doesn't go as long as we really think it goes. Um, if you look at a team like the New England Patriots, to me, who are the perfect example, they're the most winning in franchise of any sport there is, uh, even with baseball, where, where they necessarily didn't have uh, salary caps and, and such. New England has won more than any other any other team there is. Every coach that come from New England within a two or three year span, they fail. But they come from a winning organization. Just because you attach to that winning organization doesn't mean you're good at what you do. Uh, true. And for me, I look at it like Golden State. When they were on that roll, when uh, when Mark left and they, and Steve Kerr took over, before you know it, Elvin Gentry get a job. And I was like, man, I don't like that 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 signing. And you were like, I mean, you know, who do you want from that from that staff? Who who is it? that you can say, oh, they're the reason that Golden State is the way that they are. I just think sometimes teams are just great because of talent and coaches benefit from it. Uh, Anthony Lynn, I'm not sold on him either. I mean, as a head coach, he was 33 and 32, I believe. And he was one of the minority coaches that got a a coaching job and actually had talent in-house. I know he went through a lot of injuries with San Diego. A lot of injuries. However, you have to be able to to, uh, have this next man up approach and uh, be a little bit more consistent. I'm not expecting him to to win the Super Bowl. I'm not expecting him to uh, make the playoffs every single year. But to me, it was sometimes San Diego had enough talent left, and it wasn't competitive. That was my issue. He, yeah, to be good. honest, is probably the, the safest coach I feel like that's on this uh, staff is Anthony Lynn. I agree. But I wanted to say, too, like, you know, Todd Bowles is a good example. Sometimes when you when you when you get your promotion, he he got his promotion like Anthony Lynn did. He failed. And now he's back in the role that he was successful at. So Mm -hmm. and and the same thing is happening for Bowles. He went to the Jets. It was a disaster because it was the Jets. And now mm-hmm. he's back being a D coordinator where he was successful, where he got his promotion. So that's why, like mm-hmm. you said, I agree Anthony Lynn is the most uh, decorated coordinator or coach on the staff. But you got to you gotta start somewhere with people getting promotions. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? And, and, and you're not – I'm not plucking a guy from Denver. 
I would rather I would rather I would rather get a guy from the Saints than I would from the Panthers. Like you know what I mean? Yeah. And, like, and that's my the, You want me to go get the OC from Houston to to run the team for this year? Like that's yeah. not and, that's not what we doing. And look, that's my and, fear. You you got a guy. That's my, you didn't get the guy. You got a guy. That, and it's that's, not a hit and miss because just like you could pull up uh, a Josh McDaniels or a Bill O'Brien. I can point to you now recently at a Brian Flores or a um what's the other guy? Uh Mike Vrabel and say, Well, those guys are successful, they're from that Patriots culture. So mm-hmm. like I, it's real hit and miss, but once again, you gonna pull from the winning culture or you gonna pull from the guys that's drafting first and second every year? Because you gotta gonna... you gotta get a coach from somewhere, Red. So where you want to get him from? <laughs> True, but I'm I'm trying to get a coach that I feel represent the brand of football. To my liking, Are that's what I'm going for. Now, if they if they select, if I'm sorry, I couldn't hear you. Went out. I'm sorry. You talking about the head coach, or you talking about all the coaches? The, the coach. If I if that's what Detroit really want in house, if they like the energy that Dan Campbell bring, I, tell me, sell me on that. Don't sell me on the fact he was attached to the New Orleans Saints for the past five six years. Sell me on the point on on the fact you sat down with this man two or three times. He speaks your brand. It's ex- exactly the idea you have of your football team. This is the, the energy you want going forward. Sell me on that. Don't sell me on the fact he was the tight end coach and the assistant cheerleading doc, uh, director and all the rest of this crap. So now we down to technicalities because he can, they can come out there and say that, that that's what they that that's what Dan Campbell sold them on, and you'll still have Detroit fans saying, and? And that's supposed to translate to what? So what's the difference between them saying, well, he's coming from a winning culture. We think he can bring that here. What's the difference between saying that and saying, look, this is the this is the type of coach that we want. He's going to bring this energy to us that's going to be different than what we had. Regardless of which way you put it, the Detroit fans that like the move going to like the move and the ones that don't are not. Yeah. I'm Regardless of which I way you like it. it to them. Yeah. I don't like it, but I'm giving it a chance. Yeah. And I'm not trying to stay on this too long, but the only difference is I'm saying I'm not I'm not hiring someone because of what they was attached of if they wasn't the main source of the success where they were. How are you gonna get the main so, source? How hard um, is it to get a main source? That, like that's if what it was I'm easy to go and get a Sean McVay or Kyle Shanahan or you know whoever, like so, that's not gonna happen. So, so when I'm interviewing that so that's what I'm saying. So when I'm interviewing, because it's so hard to get that, when I interview I'm looking for who is really saying the things I want. Who is oh, who is telling that. me? I can guarantee you he did that much. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Now, if they tell me they're more sold on a direction that he wants to go in than the other candidates, fine. I have no problem. This dude, this guy uh is is his ideas lines up with your ideas. But I'm saying all that just being a just giving looking at him as okay, he's gonna be okay because he comes from a successful background. I'm just saying I'm not sold on that. But one one last thing I want to say, too, is you also got to look at it from this side. Somebody got to want the job, too. You know what I mean? So, like, so I, I do think that that matters with the people that they talk to, the Robert Salas, the the Eric B. Enemies that they interview, the, the top names that they wanted. I do think that they were like, well, you ain't going to have Matthew Stafford. So and they were like, nah, well, I ain't interested then. So, you know what I mean? So it's got to be. 
Mm-hmm. Some of that has got to be on the people that they're interviewing too, because you can't. I can't just say, "Well, why they ain't go get Nick Saban?" Well, he ain't want the job. You know what I mean? So, I mean, exactly. if that was the best they could do, I guess it's the best they could do. And lastly, uh, you stated that Matt, you got staff for being a Hall of Famer. That was correct. I, you saw the face. Yeah. I, mean, I, saw, look, I was holding it in. I was holding it in. I think, I think by the end of his career, he'll be the Hall okay. of Fame. At this at this moment in time, no, he not. No. At this, at this moment, his play conducts a Hall of Fame player. He doesn't have any championships or hasn't gotten far enough in the playoffs to win. Yeah, exactly. To to be able to put him there, but just, Matthew Stafford right now is just as much as a Hall of, of a Hall of Fame as Eli is without his two titles. Right. You can't say without the two titles. I that can mean. because that's the only. You telling me Eli Man to get into the Super Bowl without the two no. Super Bowls? No, but he exactly. got them. Exactly. No, that's, that's, that's the reason we because, because he has two Super Bowls, and so now you're gonna throw in front of his name two times Super Bowl with Super Bowl champion Eli Man. He didn't win a Super Bowl. He got carried to Super Bowls. He but, he was on he was on Super Bowl winning teams. Yeah. Okay. He was a Super Bowl winning team. He's not a Super Bowl. No, fuck that. Stafford does have an opportunity as long if he plays about five more years, he'll get there with the numbers. Even if he don't, even if yeah. he don't. But that's why I made the face though. Just at this moment in time, I'm like, nah, it ain't. Yeah. It ain't. He don't. And and a lot of people don't feel like Philip Rivers is uh, a Hall of Famer. I do. Yeah. I, I, and, I, and that's what I see Matthew Stafford, you know, being. Oh, yeah. even if he don't ever win a title, you know, they're gonna have a similar career. I'm um, not sure how many. I'm not sure how many times he made it to the postseason in his career. You being a Lions fan, do you know that number off the top of your head? I want to say two. three times. I I mean, it say was three. Yeah. yeah, it was three. Yeah, yeah. so it, it's pretty tough for me. Definitely not right now. In the next five years, I'm not even sure he would have to. Uh, he would have to. I want him to be remembered as as more of a winner. And whatever, whatever whatever situation he ends up in from here, he's going to win. Like it's yeah. not, I, I doubt he's going to go to I a hope. situation that mirrors a Detroit. I hope situation. that's 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 not a given. Yeah, I I I, 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 I can pretty much guarantee that just because for one, Detroit obviously respects the man in some degree to put him in a situation where he's going to be comfortable with, um, rather than where he go. I, Unless, unless the Jets be like, here, take this number two, and they're like, wait, hey, look, Matt, look, we we tried to get you somewhere good, but look, they giving us the number two, and that's not gonna happen. So wherever he goes from here, there's going to be a lot of winning in his future. I hope so. I hope so. But uh, that's all. Oh, you ready to make that pick, bro? Me? <laughs> Me? Yeah, you ready to make this? No, pick? no, 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 no. I, I give me, give me a. This we got the we got the whole week. In between, let me see what it looked like leading up to it. All right, so I'm right there with you, Sean. All right, so that's it for today. Uh, next week, we'll get on here and talk Super Bowl uh, and talk about a lot of this quarterback uh, movement that's about to be going on heading into this next season, uh, which is definitely going to be interesting. Um, but that's all I got for today, man. Hey, thanks for joining us, Sean. No problem, man. I'm in the league, you boys not in my league If you listen close, I'm coaching Take keys to the boy, hella dope Without pushing a Blanco Still stabbing bitches like 94 in the Bronco If it's about the money, I'm leaving them hoes pronto If I don't do nothing, I'm about Lonzo